We pursue the presence of Jesus first in everything we do. It's a value here. We have 10 values, and one of them is the presence. And this morning, you know, Exodus, I've been reading in Exodus 33, verse 15, where Moses is talking with God, right? And Moses says, I don't want to go anywhere without your presence. And then he makes a remarkable statement in verse 16. He says, it's your presence that distinguishes us from other people. What's the point? The point is that we can gather in this room as much as we want, but without the presence of Jesus, we're not changed. There's no difference from us gathering here and us gathering somewhere else. The reason we do it and we pursue him is because his presence distinguishes us. It marks us. And so that is a high value in this house. That's the reason why if you're a guest here, you're like, did they really worship for like an hour and 10 minutes? I say this every Sunday. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. Because we just want to be marked by him. I'm so sobered by even what we went, what we did in our worship transition where we were, we were going after fear. I don't know about you, but just to be quite vulnerable, this has been a very difficult season of anxiety for me. Like, I've been battling it in my health. Like, Lord, what is happening? And then I'll find myself super anxious and do you know that the Lord always knows what we need? I woke up this morning to a text message from Dan Bance. And do you know what passage he sent me? 1 Peter 5. Do you know what it says in 1 Peter 5? Cast your anxiety upon him. And then we just went through that whole thing in worship transition. What is the Lord wanting us to do? Cast our anxiety on him. Cast it on him. And then do you know what it says? I think it's 1 Peter 5 verse 8. It says, resist and stand firm in faith. What's the point? When you cast your anxiety upon him, it allows you to resist and stand firm in faith. I needed that this morning. And I think there's some of you in this room, I know we just went after fear, but I think some of you, and I'm gonna be included in this, we need to cast our anxiety and leave it and not go out of this room with it. I'm, I don't wanna leave this room with the anxiety that I felt last night. I don't wanna leave this room with the anxiety that I felt last week. Why? Because I'm gonna resist and stand firm in faith. Amen? And that's also a reason why we're going to talk about the word this morning. Because we get to cast our anxiety on him and resist and stand firm in faith, which means we get to go, hey, we're going we're gonna to cast our anxiety and we're going to submit under his word. You like this? I bet I can't do this very long. Listen, this is how we should be as believers. Okay, I know this looks funny. My daughter's laughing. She thinks it's silly. It is silly. But listen, seriously, 
This is silly, but yet how many of us are doing this? (sighs) And not this. Or how many of us are doing this? My iPhone, my device, my, that YouTube video that I like, social media, fear, anxiety, right? And we're, we're actually submitting to it. That's the thing. It's not just that we're consuming content. It's that what we spend our time doing, where we're focusing, what we're beholding, actually gets within us to a degree that we actually find ourselves, before we know it, submitting to something that's not God. Cast your anxiety, resist, and stand firm in faith. How do you know that that statement is good? Because it's his word. That's not just a good inspirational Andrew Fish comment. That's the word of God. What's the difference? I mean, I hope that my words are inspiring, but my words don't carry the life, the power, the authority, the ability to create like his words. So I love, listen, I love a good preacher I love a good teaching, but if you're submitted underneath teaching more than you're submitted under his word, we're off. If you're listening, oh no, I don't want to go too far. If you're listening to podcasts more than you're digesting the word, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you. Look, I'm here to challenge. (laughs) We need to be submitted to this. Not just a good book to read, not just great stories to tell, submitted to it. And I feel like that's so crucial even coming out of last week. I love the message Wesley shared about the mountain and the table. Wasn't that so good? If you didn't, if you weren't here, you need to catch the podcast. I I know I'm just saying that. But then, then read it in here, okay? But really, though, he talked about how it's not just about mountaintop encounters. It's about the table. And what is the table a representation of? It's abiding. Let my word abide in you, right? And so we 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 encounter him, and then we take it to a table. Part of taking it to the table is taking it to the word. If you've been in any of Nikki's prophetic trainings, she talks every single Wednesday about prophetic values. And she always talks about how we have to submit all prophecy here. 1 Thessalonians 5, examine, examine, test it, test it underneath the word. And so I feel like this is a really key um, a really key word for us right now. And so I'm just going to dive in. And there's a slide that we found back in 2020. And it's a survey by the Center of Bible Engagement. And they pulled 40,000 people from ages 8 to 80. That's a wide gap. And they asked the question, how are we engaging with Scripture? Sometimes surveys are so fascinating. 
How are we engaging with Scripture? And this is what they found. They found that those that read the Word four times a week, feeling lonely dropped 30%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%, and sharing your faith goes up 200%. Oh, come on. That's amazing. That's four times per week. It's not about making it a religious thing. It's about just open it up. Read a verse, listen to it on the audio Bible, but get in it because this is not happening because this is just a good book. We cannot just talk about the Bible as this book. It's the authority and the word of God. And I want to teach us in this this morning. And so we're going to like, we're going to, I'm going to go into slight teacher mode for just a second. Is that Okay. All right, biblical inspiration. So we hold to the verbal plenary view, which says that every word, someone say every. Every word in the Bible is inspired. Verbal plenary, verbal means every word. Plenary means fully authoritative. Okay? If I could give seminary credits this morning, I will, but I can't. Biblical inspiration, the Greek word theopinustos, I love that word. Theo means God, pinustos means breath, that's where we get God breathed, okay? Scripture is God breathed, it's God breathed. And of course, we know the verse that I'm about to show, which is 2 Timothy 3.16, which says all scripture is inspired by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You know what stuck out of me? I've read this verse so many times, and for some reason this week, the Lord was highlighting that word profitable. Don't you love that it says that? It says the scripture is inspired by God, but it's not just that it's inspired and it's good inspirational teaching. It's actually profitable for your life. And then you're like, wait, reproof, correction, that doesn't sound profitable. Oh, but it can be. Those who he loves, he disciplines. Profitable. His word is literally profitable. I don't know, that that really stuck out to me. All right, so every word is inspired by God. And listen, not just some words are the portions of Scripture that we want. I can't cherry pick. The whole thing is inspired by him. All right, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1. And by the way, this is a good morning message reminder that we need to have our Bibles. 
I know that they're on phones, but there's just nothing like a paper Bible. That's just me, though. All right, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. Wow. That word, word there, is the Greek word logos. It's his word. But I want you to see, in the beginning was the word. What does that mean? In the beginning was God. And the word was God. And the word was with God. So it's this whole thing of the reality of the fact that this word is inspired by God. Therefore, the word is, it is God. He is his word. He's establishing the fact that from the beginning, the word was present, and not just words, but God being the word. Like, these words in this book encapsulate who God is. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, an ability to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Bible is his word. Therefore, it expresses who he is, it reveals his nature, and it has the ability to transform through the Holy Spirit the one reading it. I think I had that on a slide. There it is. The Bible is his word. It expresses who he is, reveals his nature, and it has the ability to transform through the Holy Spirit, the one reading it. So it's living and active. What does that mean? It means it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I open up this, and it's living and active. It doesn't matter that these words were written a long time ago. It's living and active. What does that mean? It means when I open this, it's not just words. It's not just history. It's the fact that his word is moving now in your life. His word is active. It's living So God used different people to write, right? We have Paul, John, Moses. All of these are writers within the Bible. They wrote, they were writing with the Spirit of God under his superintendence. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit was guiding the authors as they wrote. That's that inspiration thing. They were inspired by God. The Holy Spirit was moving through them as they wrote. And so we have human authors revealing who God is and writing down his words. And that's what is in here. But it's all inspired by God. Yes? Okay. Second Peter 
21 says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. All right, so what's the point? We believe in the inerrancy and the authority of Scripture. We believe that God is sovereign, he's unchanging, he's all-powerful, and his word does not return to him void. I love this quote from Tyndale. It says, the Bible reveals his thoughts and ways. It sets his targets, voices his promises, and is powerful to achieve what it expresses. Isaiah 55 Verse 11, Isaiah says, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. When he speaks, his word does not return to him void. It doesn't return empty. It's like when you ask, <laughs> it's like when you ask someone to do something for you and they come back and they're empty handed. And you're like, wait, weren't you supposed to bring me the ketchup? And they're like, oh, sorry. It's like they're coming void. They, they don't have anything. God comes and he always brings something to the table. He's not going to come empty handed. And so when we approach the table and we approach his word, we approach it from the standpoint of I'm not going to leave reading this I'm not going to come out reading this empty-handed. Even if I feel sometimes like, all right, got to read another psalm. Got to read another proverb. Come on, can we get real sometimes? Sometimes it's not always easy to get in here. But when you do, you don't leave empty-handed, even if you feel like maybe you did leave empty-handed. Because his word is moving in you. It's active. I cannot tell you how many times I've read this. I've had quiet times and it's been like, man, that was, that was just a rough morning. It was hard to read the Bible that, that morning. And then I'll be laying in bed at night. Starting to feel that anxiety. And all of a sudden, the Lord reveals something that I read that morning that I was like, oh, I felt like I was having to trudge through it, and he reveals it, and it's that sweet reminder, like, it doesn't matter how hard it was that morning, so he, I never leave empty-handed. And then you come in, and you, you're like, oh, yes, that's right. It's what I read this morning, and the Lord reveals it. And listen, this is such an important foundation to have because there are a lot of opinions in culture right now. Yes, lots of opinions. Everybody has an opinion about something. Everybody believes that truth is something, but a lot of people think it's whatever they want truth to be. Truth is relative, right? Truth is whatever you, what's your truth? Is your truth what my truth is? And we're all scrambling around trying to figure out how to do life with everybody's different definitions of truth. Is that working? No. In fact, it's making things worse and worse. But when we submit underneath the truth of the word of God, this is truth. 
this is really truth. And so we get outside of anyone else's opinion and we find God's opinion. What does is, what is his word say? Not what do you want to do. Not what do you think is right. What does God's word say is right? Listen, there's a lot of good self-help books out there, but it's not the word of God. We need to be in the word. Like, I just, I feel like sometimes we're listening to so many voices that are not the voice of God. And then our life is being dictated by something other than his word. To discount or remove aspects of the word of God is to discount and remove the authority of God in it. What does that mean? It means when I take this and I water it down, I'm actually removing the authority of God. Why? Because I'm making it my own. Eh, I don't like this translation. I don't like the fact that it says crucify your flesh. I don't like the, the fact that it says that biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. I don't like the fact that, I don't like the fact, and then we start to, we start to change it without even sometimes realizing it. What are we doing? We're taking scripture, conforming it to our image, essentially, instead of in the image of God. We're taking scripture, we're writing our own version and saying, yeah, that sounds a whole lot better. Why? Because it actually, it actually allows me to live in my current lifestyle, to make my current choices, and to do whatever I want without actually submitting to something else. You can create your own gospel. We've been doing it for years. Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, what was the point? They said this, they said, let us make for ourselves. And then they started building the tower. They didn't say, oh yeah, the Lord told us to do that. No, let us make for ourselves. What's the point? The point is that you can start to create your own thing. Let me make for myself thy own gospel. And we do it sometimes, it's little twists though. And we can get off his word, exactly as it is, has the authority in it. It has his authority. Like, this is huge. We have entire movements and denominations that have twisted the word to align with culture. I'm serious. I was just in Nashville. And we were talking with some, some friends of ours. And they were telling us about some of the denominations in Nashville right now that have posters and things outside their church that are directly against the word of God. Oh, no. But yet you'll walk into that building and it's, w w wait, what's happening here? We're getting off because 
we have to have the foundation of this. If what you believe leads you to not have to give up anything, change, be transformed, walk in righteousness, what you have subscribed to is a fake Jesus. If what you believe leads you to not have to give up anything, it leads you to not have to be changed or transformed, it leads you to not have to walk in righteousness, what you've subscribed to is a fake Jesus. If your Jesus always says, yeah, do whatever you want, what you're doing is great, that's not the real Jesus. Jesus says, lay your life down. Jesus says, walk in righteousness. Jesus' love isn't the fluffy Hollywood movie love that we sometimes love to watch on Netflix. Jesus' love is unconditional. He loves you so zealously. But listen, his love never allows you to stay where you're at. It always pulls you closer. And if his love, the love that you're subscribing to, is not pulling you closer to Jesus, it's not actually his love. It's a love that you've invented. His love always pulls you closer to him. So we have all these people that are out there quoting these verses about love, and yet their version of love is them allowing themselves to live in their choices, in their sin, and walk in that, and it's not actually pulling them closer to Jesus, meaning what? It's not actually his version of love, it's theirs. And so we have people that are quoting these verses, and I'm like, yeah, that's a great verse. Did you read the whole thing? There's a lot of people that love to quote one verse in a passage and not read the whole thing. There's a lot of people that make entire theologies, entire forms of doctrine based around one verse cherry-picked out of something with zero context and not actually grafted into the whole book. Listen, one verse, you got to understand the whole thing to understand what that one verse means. You can't just take one verse. Like, this is crucial. Like, Obeying his word should actually cost you something. It should be costly. Like, to do this is going to require me to give some things up. It's going to require me to live my life differently. It's going to require me to live not the way that I think I should live, but the way that he desires for me to live, which is the best way to live because it's, it's, it's after him. It's what he's doing. Does this make sense? We are living in a day where Matthew 7:15 is very crucial. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What is a what is a sheep in wolf's clothing? Have you ever thought about that? It's someone that says something that sounds good, and it might even be wrapped in this beautiful Christian present box. But when you unwrap that, there's no fruit in it. 
that tree looks good until you bite into its fruit. And what comes out of that is, a, is usually something that is more based around man than God. We have to be in the word. I love what Chris Valentin says. He says, God's word does not adjust to us. We come underneath his word. Oh, but hold on. Culture's changed now. Come on, Andrew. It's not the same as it was back then. We got all these other things we're doing, and we've, we've grown a lot, and we're, we're so progressive as a society. God doesn't adjust to you. He's not adjusting to the way that culture looks now, even though maybe it does look a little bit different than it did back then. Who cares? There's, so, there's people that are literally like, the Bible is old. It's not. It doesn't work for culture now. No. This, we adjust to this, not any other way. You come underneath the authority of Scripture, and then it changes your life. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't want to be conformed by the pattern of anybody else but, this, but, but him, but the God that has the ability to change everything, the God that created, I come under his authority. But I'm not spending, God isn't like, okay, now I'm going to adjust to your, no, he's saying, come underneath me. Come under my authority. Submit under it. God will not violate his word. He doesn't violate his word. I remember back in ministry school, we used to, there was a lot of, there was a lot of weird stuff going on. And it wasn't that it was all bad. But there were some things that were happening that were not actually of God. And it doesn't matter what environment that you're in. And listen, I love, I, I love charismatic. Come on. We, we would be defined more that way, right? I love charismatic environments. I think it's amazing. I love it. But sometimes there's been things that have happened that have gotten so swirly that the, the encounter or the thing that you have, you can't actually find anything to support it in here. God does not violate his word. He's not going to reveal something to you that you can't find principles, that you can't find things, things that he said in that, in here. So we have, to, we have to be mindful of that. He's not going to violate his word. He's not going to tell you to do something that violates this. Does this make sense this morning? So to be rooted and grounded in the word is to step under the authority, leadership, and lordship of Jesus. We have to be tethered to his word. 
that the word is living shows that it reflects the true character of God himself, the source of all life. This kind of life is full of energy to achieve its declared end. One of the ways that you encounter God is you read his word. One of the ways that you combat the enemy is to know the word of God. Like, we don't, we don't need to just read it. We need to know it. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, he could have given a fantastic prophetic declaration. What did he do? He quoted the word. He quoted the word because the word he knew had the authority to pull him out of that. It had the authority to combat the enemy. It doesn't matter what season of life that you're in. Use this as a sword. Use it as a sword. It's Ephesians 6. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the only one, it's the only one of those armor that is actually offensive. It's an offensive weapon. It's using it to wield it as a sword no matter what comes your way. It is written. I think I just feel this passion within me that regardless of what we're doing or what's going on, we have to be in here. And that's, this is what the table is. It's time with the Lord. Like, can I challenge us this morning as a pastor? Spend time with him. And that can look a lot of different ways. You could be driving to school, but engage with the Lord. You can be in line at Walmart, engage with the Lord. Ask him, Lord, what are you doing right now? Read this. Get in here. Like we have to be spending time. That's what that table looks like. It's, it's a table before the Lord. And then there's other people too. I remember one time we were also in ministry school. I'm doing a lot of ministry school things this morning. It was a great season, okay? Um. We, we had this time where our um, former worship leader, Mark Snyder, who I love, just bless the Snyders, Lord. Um, he was teaching, and one time he had, was, we were all sitting around here, and <laughs> he stood up and he said, how many of you have read the word this week? Almost nobody in the room stood up. And then he was like, how many of you can quote, can, can give me one verse on worship? One person could give one verse on worship out of the entire group of people. What's the point? The point, isn't, the point is that this, that convicted my heart. I remember it to this day. I was sitting right there. I was sitting right there, probably on the back row. That convicted my heart so much that to this day, it still convicts me. I don't want to be in a room with believers 
And we can't stand up and say that we've been in here. That we can't quote and actually be able to stand against the enemy with this. And I'll be honest, I kind of want that to convict us through the Holy Spirit. I want to be convicted that I need to be in the Word. I need to be digesting this even more than I'm digesting other things. And that story to this day, it just always, I'm like, I need to be in His Word. When you get in the word, you actually give him more authority to govern, direct, and lead you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Did you know that it actually, it's actually a lamp into your feet? Do you believe that? As dark as things may be, if you get in here, I guarantee you, your mind will not think the same things that it was thinking before you got in. I cannot tell you how many times I've laid in bed at night and I've opened up Psalm 91. And I've just started reading it when I start having thoughts come. Because his word lights my path. The whole room could be dark. Culture could be coming against us, all these things. And when the end comes, we need to be lit. We need this to guide our way. Like I want to be led by this. I want it to light my way. The more you read, understand, and let his word fill you, the more you will find that your mind, will, and emotions come under his authority. We need to get in his word. Let his word guide us and lead us. Can I go ahead and get keys? That'd be awesome. I'm going to land the plane. Listen, I know this is like, man, this is like, yeah, of course, Andrew, we know this. That's great. I want it to convict you. His word, one thing I love about his word is, is when I read it and I come and I approach it with a tender heart, his word cuts me. And it cuts me in, in the best way. Because it reveals things that I need. It reveals ways that I need to come underneath his authority. Maybe in ways that I haven't been. Like what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe is happening right now? What do you believe about politics? What do you believe about school? What is the Lord doing right now? Well, let this reveal it to you. 
What does the Lord want to do in politics? He wants to establish his kingdom. Where did I get that? Here. What do I not see in here? A whole bunch of talk about a bunch of other political things. I see the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm coming underneath him. I'm establishing his kingdom. I don't know who I am. Read this. Let him reveal to you that you were made in the perfect image of God. Let him reveal to you that he knows all the hairs on your head. He's hemmed you in behind and before. He's all around you. The nearness of God is your good. Read these words. Read them and let them hit your heart. It's not just about good good reading. It's not just about quoting something. It's not just about us using it on a Sunday morning. It's about allowing the words to frame my entire life should be led by this. The word of God. So can we stand? I think there's some ways that maybe we've operated on our own understanding and we need to come underneath his authority. Some of you, you just need to walk around like this for a little while. And you need to put your phones in your closet. And you just need to do this. Instagram can wait. Come under the word. Some of you, you're anxious because you're reading and you're digesting things that are making you anxious. Some of you, you're afraid, not because of anything except that you're seeing fear on the news. Oh, what about more of this and more of that and, and all of this and the world is crashing and everything around you is, what is God saying? What does his word say? Oh, his word says that there's a glorious bride, his church, that are getting themselves ready for his return. Oh, the, the word says cast your anxiety upon him. Oh, the word says that I am a royal priesthood. Oh, the word says it is written. I don't care what Fox News says. I care about what God says. I really don't. And if you're subscribed to something, a voice that is louder than this, I want, to, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make this the thing that you're subscribing to. Well, what about this? What about that? What is God doing? God says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's been a lot of shaking happening. You can read about the shaking in here. What happens through the thread throughout the whole thing is what? God is victorious. So why would I subscribe to anything other than God is victorious? Why would I subscribe to anything other than Jesus is real, he's alive, he's moving, 
and he's going to return for a bride. He's coming back. He's coming back. I'm not going to spend my time in this culture and in this world so focused on fear, so focused on what's not happening. I'm going to find out what God is doing, and I'm going to be a steward of that until he comes. Oh, come on. 1 Corinthians 11 It's the reason why Paul, he says, I'm going to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why? Because I'm so encapsulated in the authority and the word of God and who he is. And I come under this. And when I come under his authority, I don't care what comes my way. Come on. Come what may, Jesus. Come what may, it is written. God shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Oh, come on. The Lord is raising a remnant of people that say, I don't care about what, the, what culture is saying. I don't care. I'm going to allow this to frame my life. Not only that, but students, it's about letting this frame your life, but then it's about letting this actually change your school. Letting this change government. Letting this change culture. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we, this morning, we're coming underneath the word. We're coming underneath. And Lord, this morning, I just cry out, and I just say, Lord, would you place within me a cry that I would be submitted to your word in a fresh way this morning? I don't just want to read it. I don't just want to I don't just want to have just little portions of it. I want to be submitted to it. And if that means that I have to change my life, if that means that I have to die to something, if that means that I have to lay something down, I will do it because what you have, your authority actually brings transformation. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. So I put your word, I put my life, I put my marriage, I put my family, I put my health, I put my bank accounts, I put it all underneath and I submit it to the authority of your word and I say, Jesus, let it be yours, God. Let everything come underneath your word because your word is life, because your word brings transformation, because when you speak, things happen. Let there be light and there was light. Oh, Jesus, that we would be a people. We're all about the presence, and the presence is revealed. It's the spirit and the truth. Jesus, that we would come underneath your word this morning. Oh, Jesus. always picks the best songs. Mm -hmm. 
Receive spirits like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And Jesus, I love you. I love you. Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And Jesus, I love you. And I love you, and Jesus, I love you, I love you. Let's see it again, your name. Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp on to my feet and Jesus I love you I love you and Jesus I love you and I love you Jesus would you light our path with your word and Jesus we just thank you for your word Lord that your word would fill us, God. We love you, Jesus. We love your word. We love your word, Jesus. We love your word, God. want to pray one thing um, if you if this resounds with you just enter into this prayer with me because I feel like right now God wants to remove some filters because I think some of us have equated conviction with condemnation and punishment and that is not what conviction is conviction is God saying that's not me I have something better and, and so right now, if you resonate with that, just give him that filter. Give him that filter of condemnation and punishment. That's not how he convicts. He convicts with love and with revelation of where he is and where his life is. Yeah, that's so good. no condemnation or no shame.
love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. If you need to go get your kids, feel free to go get your kids. encourage us this week just to get in his word it doesn't matter listen i miss i've missed so many days this month and to be honest i felt it i felt it so i just want to encourage you whatever it looks like just get in and get started just get in jump in can we do that awesome Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for joining us online.